0: Welcome to the Mesa Abroad Podcast. Today we will be hearing from Rochelle Anderson about her teaching abroad experience. After graduating with her master's in counseling psychology and practicing in the field, Rochelle realized that this career choice was not sustainable. Some friends mentioned that teaching abroad might be something Rochelle would be interested in, so she started looking into it and ended up going through the EPIC program in Korea and not only received her TEPL certificate through them— but they also provided job placement. After teaching in Busan, South Korea, for two and a half years, she returned back to the US and is now teaching English online to students all around the world. We'll speak a little bit about both experiences. Today, the goal for you is to take something out of this conversation that will help you begin your life abroad. So if you're ready, let's go. How are things going on your end?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing pretty well here in in Honduras. The school year is quickly coming to an end, and I've been speaking with so many top-notch teachers from around the world who are teaching abroad. It's been uh, very interesting. First topic we're going to talk about is traveling. So Mm -hmm. since you started teaching abroad, where have you traveled, and what have you been able to experience?
1: Right. So while I lived... In South Korea, I traveled obviously throughout South Korea itself, and then mm-hmm. I also um, visited Taiwan and Japan. So those were my my Asian countries. And outside of that, when I was a kid, I went to the Bahamas, and that's about it. Okay, <laughs> So nice. I'm not not too traveled.
0: Sure. Yeah. No. I'm in. The, I'm yeah. in the same boat. So it's. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of times teaching abroad is that step that allows you to start traveling. Mm-hmm. So. Um, right. So you've been been a couple of places, what would be a travel tip that a, that you can give to people from your experiences?
1: Um, I definitely say I think this is a it should be an obvious one mm-hmm. would be to read up on the culture, yeah. um, cultural differences, cultural norms, um, because specifically with East Asian cultures, we tend to be very different culturally. Mm-hmm. you know as human beings, we all have similarities, we all have similar emotions and feelings, but when it comes to the culture, um, we sometimes could not be more different than, totally. <laughs> you know, from each other. And so I would say it's important to, like, read up on the culture. Um, if you're planning on living somewhere, then you probably want to learn a little bit of the language or some key phrases. If you're traveling, that might come in handy also. Sure. Um, so those are the good, thing about, the good thing about speaking English is that, Their English usually, especially if you're in the capital cities or larger cities, there's usually English somewhere or someone who can speak enough English to help point you in the right direction. But it's always nice to know a bit about the culture and things like that. So I think that is probably some of the most important things you can do for yourself before you travel.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point because I've talked to some people who say that research is the main thing that you should do. But what is it that I should research? Do I research what mm-hmm. the terrain is like? Do I research the top travel mm-hmm. spots, top vacation spots? Mm-hmm. But uh, most right. importantly, I agree with you: is is that culture and the cultural differences that you will experience are uh, sometimes profound. It sounds like maybe in in your experience, right? right. So, so totally. Mm-hmm. And so when you were in Korea, and you're originally from the U.S., is that correct?
1: Yeah, I'm ri- originally from Miami.
0: Okay, originally from Florida. So yeah, yeah wh- what were some of the comforts that you missed? When you were out?
1: When I was out there. Oh, yeah. it, <laughs> I missed quite a lot while sure. I was out there. Um, the main one for me, um, especially, especially early on, was food. Um, mm-hmm. In Korea, the food is very different to what we eat here. Um, the city I lived in they ate, it was a coastal city, Busan, and so they ate a lot of seafood. Even though I'm also from a coastal city, sure, um, I don't really like seafood, but I had to learn to like it. Um, so yeah. I missed, I had a cr- serious craving for mashed potatoes for the longest time, and so <laughs> I found a place that made, like, mashed potatoes. Um, so sometimes it's little things that you miss. Like I said, for me, it was, sometimes it was just food. Like, I miss mashed potatoes, and I really want it. Yeah. Um, Um, Other times it was just a familiarity um, because when you move abroad, especially somewhere like I keep saying Korea where we're very culturally different, Mm -hmm. um, your world is like turned upside down for a while until you get your footing. Um, And so I missed not being able to blend in. Mm -hmm. Um, Being from Miami, everyone is different, so it's not difficult to blend in with the crowd. But in Korea, like 96, 97% of the population Korean. And so, you oh, know, wow. you stick out like a sore thumb. Oh, yes. <laughs> so people will notice you, people will stare at you. So I missed being able to just be normal or feel normal because, um, being in Korea and outside of Seoul, the heart of Seoul, sometimes mm-hmm. you can feel like a unicorn because, yeah. you know, it's just you. And in my, my area in my neighborhood up until the last six months, I was the only English speaker in my area. Wow. Um, and so, you know, I definitely attracted a lot of attention yes. every time I left my apartment, even though the same people saw me every day, you know. So it's just little things that uh-huh. you don't realize until you don't have them
0: yes. that I missed. So, That's great. I don't and know if that was clear. No, that was very clear. And so you started off, some of the stuff was food, you know, those, those basic things, like even mashed potatoes. And for me, mm-hmm. I guess Busan would be a, a great place for me because I love seafood. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but even that... You would say I would think that the seafood in Busan, even just the flavors, the spices that they use, hey. would be a whole different thing um, you mm-hmm. know and and then you mentioned about um, just just sticking out, which I also kind of empathize there's very few um, you know black people here in Honduras, and also I'm about six two so I'm a lot taller right. than a lot of a lot of people, so um, right. you know it's just uh, just a little different in that way so yeah, that was mm-hmm. that, that was very clear. All right, and so when you moved, how did your relatives feel about you going to teach abroad, super far away? What the time zone difference is? Twelve out, is it? it? Yeah.
1: Depending on the time of year. Okay. Um, yeah. If it's daylight savings, like now, it's thirteen hours. Okay. Um, wow. In the winter time, it's fourteen. Yeah. So basically, a day.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. So how did your how did your relatives feel about that?
1: My well, at the time, my father was sick. Um, mm-hmm. My father had Alzheimer's. I mean, he recently passed away last last year, so I don't know how recent that is. Yeah, um, so at the time, he was just prop, not too aware, you know. But mm-hmm. my mom, she, they weren't. She wasn't going to tell me not to go, you know. Mm-hmm. She had her reservations about North Korea, but she was quite supportive, and no one was really against it, so to speak. I think yeah. people had their reservations, like I said, about um, North Korea and the situation there, but. Um, no yeah. one was like no you shouldn't go you know mm-hmm. I think yeah. everyone for the most part people were were very supportive and like yeah go ahead you know that seems like a great opportunity so
0: yeah that's good and, and have- yeah, sorry and yeah I'm definitely sorry to hear about your dad and with the it seems like a lot of people who are you know who made that decision to go abroad even if there are slight reservations it's mm-hmm. it's really about that person sounds like something that you had made the decision that it was a decision, you know, you're going to do and follow through with. Right. So, right. Uh, that's, that's how I am once I've right. made up my mind. <laughs> yeah. Great. All right. And so we're going to go into how it was fitting in abroad. So I know you said you stuck out a little bit like a sore thumb. So what other types of lifestyle changes did you have to adjust to?
1: I think the, as far as fitting in um, when it comes to Korea, um, you'll never fit in totally because you're always going to be a foreigner. You don't look Korean. You know what I mean? um and so i think you can make friends like i have made korean friends i went to language exchanges i have a lot of other foreign friends and whatnot but as far as really fitting into the culture it's it's i wouldn't say impossible because you never know right. but it's highly unlikely because society as a whole will see you always as a foreigner no matter how much korean you know you could be fluent in korean you know you could be totally <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't matter it's you, you don't look Korean, you're not, you're not, you're not from there, you're a foreigner. And so yep. um, I think that that is something I wish that people would have talked about more, whether it be during orientation or recruiters, um, not to like crush your spirit, <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. just to, like the reality is, exactly. you know, it's good to, you know, I respect the culture, I do what I can to follow it. Um, however, at the end of the day, you know, people just don't see you <laughs> as fitting yes. in. You're always going to be that special person. And like you said, specifically, you know, particularly if you are a non-white foreigner, um, you're even more like a unicorn. You know, like that's how people would look sometimes, mm-hmm. like as if they had literally seen a unicorn. Like they're very shocked, very shocked. And they don't hide it, you know. Yeah. So that is, it is a big deal. I mean, for me especially, I'm quite an introvert. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if extroverts feel this way, but as an introvert, um, after a while, it kind of gets to you. It's like, man, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, that realization, like, you know, I'm never going to fit in here. So it really is about your mindset, Mace, and how you, your outlook on things. You know what I'm saying? If Definitely. you try to maintain a positive mindset and, you know, maybe keep your goals in mind, what you came here for, whatever, that that's helpful. Having Perfect. friends who... Can also help you out as helpful. Because um, yeah. it, it's really easy to get into a negative mindset when you're in that space. Yes. Um, so I think one of the most important things, I can't speak for any other country, but specifically for Korea, is mm-hmm. definitely your mindset.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. So I'm not
1: trying to crush it, oops,
0: but <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I think it's great to have it laid out flat for you. Here is really what you should be expecting when you go to this place. And I understand what you're saying as far as being being an introvert, and you know, every single day you're looked at, and there's all this attention on you. And even it's, it could be subtle, you know, just like you said, walking out the door every day, it's same same people, but there's always this this type of elevated attention that's a little bit different. And you know, right. coming from coming from the states or wherever your home was, you had adjusted to living the lifestyle where you could you know, sometimes avoid those certain situations. Um, Right. So, yeah, that's great. And also, as you mentioned, the mindset is such an important thing. I've seen people having adopted, you know, maybe they've been, maybe it's been throughout the year or they've been here for two years, but they've adopted a mindset of negativity and all they could do is wish that they were somewhere else. But, you know, um, so I think that's perfect. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about skills and experience, what a typical workday was like. Um, we're also going to talk about how she, what she's currently doing, which is uh, she lives in Florida, but she's teaching online in Asia. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, how that is working out, as well as um, a little bit about money. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. right into it, talking about skills and experience. So Rochelle, what made you want to teach internationally?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it was kind of a slow process for me. I'd never really considered it before, Um, but I had graduated a few years back with my master's degree in counseling psychology Mm -hmm. and I worked in the field for a little bit and I just, I hated it. I absolutely hated doing counseling. It was not for me. Um, And so I got into um, teaching after I graduated with my undergrad. I did do substitute teaching at Mm -hmm. public schools. And then um, while I was in grad school, I was friends with someone who she owns her own um, private school. And so I went to work for her for a little bit. And long story short, I had some Mm -hmm. friends who made the suggestion to me because I was kind of just unsatisfied with where my career is going. And so yeah. I had a friend who made a suggestion, like, you know, you can teach abroad, you know? And so that's when I started to do some research into different countries and Korea came up and I knew some people, several people who had worked there in the past. And so I was able to, um, get in touch with them and get in touch with a recruiter and everything else as they say is history. You know, I sure, applied sure. with the Epic program and worked, um, at a public school, all boys high school for the first year and a half. Middle school, all boys middle school the first year and a half. Ooh, middle school. Then, yeah. I, I
0: always, all boys. Yeah, <laughs> and all boys. Oh, bless you. So, I, thank you, thank you. Yeah. First, I started out teaching. Kind of, like, I mean, I was a substitute teacher while I was getting my uh, master's degree in um, in education. To and also, like it was, it was one of those dual programs where you get your teaching certificate right. as well. And during that time, I was substitute teaching. Went into my first job as a middle school teacher, um, teaching seventh and eighth grade language arts. But you know, as you, at least it wasn't an all boys school. So I guess <laughs> even some of the girls gave me a, some of the girls gave me a hard time as well. But uh, yeah. I think middle school is a, a different beast. So it sounds like things just kind of fell into into place once you put once you put your mind towards teaching abroad being right. a, an option. And did you need? Right. Did you need any previous teaching experience and or like a college degree to get right. your position?
1: So yeah, to teach either in like I taught him uh, public school with the epic program, but even public private, you need at least a bachelor's degree. Okay. Uh, as far as like teaching experience, you don't have to, but it definitely will help you out if you have some some form even if it was like I volunteered with the kids at church, something. Right. You know, as long yes. as you have something. Um, and if you don't even have that, you can definitely still apply and get something. So okay, yeah, as long as you have a bachelor's degree in any any area, Great. Um, Then you'll be good. And you also need um, a TEFL certificate, um, and that's just basically what that is. It's just like a certification where you can teach ESL abroad. And so you, some recruiting agencies have kind of a, a deal, like they make deals with uh, a TEFL company and they give you a discount on the TEFL course if you sign up with their agency. So that's how I did
0: mine. Okay. And so with the, how long did the TEFL, how long did that process take?
1: It was a couple of weeks. Okay. Because I I don't remember exactly how many hours, but it was a lot of hours that I had to do online. Um, And it just goes over, it goes over a lot of things like, you know, lesson planning and classroom management and being creative and different things like that.
0: Okay. Right. And, so with with my current teaching job, it was it, I'm teaching at an international school, and for that, it was mm-hmm. you, you need a and a lot of international schools. You need a teaching certificate from the right. place that you're at. So I didn't have to go right. through TEFL. I just thanks for mm-hmm. telling me a little bit about you know kind of what that's like. So it seems like it's a program that you you get some of those basic education skills, but when it when right. you when you're in the classroom, I think that's a lot of times where you, yeah. where you learn the where you learn the most. So.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay, good. And so we talked about, you know, you taught in Korea for two and a half years. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing in education?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So currently I work online as an ESL teacher. So I have students from China, from Taiwan, and Japan. Um, And so I work with a company, and it's pretty easy. They give me a lesson Mm -hmm. plan, and I... You know, I have from, I can have anywhere from one to six students at a time. Um, and so I pretty much go over the lesson plan with them. And a lot of them just want to have conversation. So, yeah. you know, yeah. we'll talk about their hobbies or what they like to do. And so depending on the lesson, it could be anything from grammar to a story. It just depends on what their focus is, if their focus is grammar or pronunciation or
0: speaking. So, okay. Um and is yeah. that is that full time? Could you because I said I know you said that the amount of students that you have varies. So could it be full time right. or yeah? How does that work?
1: Yeah, yeah. You set your hours, and so okay. like I do a couple hours in the early morning, and then a couple hours in the evening. So it you know it can be a part time gig. It can be you can work your way up to make it full time if you like. It's totally
0: you know up to you. Yeah, flexible. That's flexible. great. A lot of listeners and a lot of people we're trying to reach are people who are more nomadic so not looking for you know traveling and i think that sounds like mm-hmm. maybe it could be a perfect gig can, that you could do remotely in a lot of different right. places so good and um so back in korea what was mm-hmm. a typical work day like for you
1: so typical day i worked 8:30 a.m. to 4:30 p.m. good old 40 hours a week there you go um Yeah, and so my first year and a half, I was only with the boys, and so I stayed at that school, and I would have up to 22 classes a week. Mm -hmm. I want to say 22 or 25 classes a week, Um, and at that particular school, they were separated by, um, well, obviously by grade, and then also by level, so I had beginner class, I had, you know, middle class and advanced classes, and so that's how that particular school broke down their schedule. And my last year in Korea, I was also, I had the boys school and I had a girls school, all girls school in the area, middle school as well. So Monday through Wednesday, I would go to the girls school and they were all just the same grades. And it's pretty similar. You get a textbook, you do listen and speak. And Uh depending on what kind of book, it can be a joy or it can be a sorrow because sometimes you literally have like half a page and they want you to stretch that for forty-five minutes, and you know, you just have to get really creative with yes. your lessons. Um, and I also did um, some after-school classes with the boys. Uh, you kind of wear a lot of different hats. It's just whatever they, basically, whatever they
0: need you to do, you do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so do a lot of
1: different. <laughs> totally,
0: it sounds like it, and having to be creative with your lessons. But what I heard that was a bit different was about the leveling. That you said because in the United States or even here where I'm teaching now, you know, you put the fifth graders with a class of fifth graders, not necessarily leveled. Mm-hmm. They have to you have right. to do this type of differentiation throughout the class, right. which uh, can mm-hmm. make things difficult. So you ended there for two and a half years, pretty good stretch, I think, anywhere for teaching abroad. What made you want to mm-hmm. come back?
1: There, well, my dad, like I said, my dad at the time was sick. Yeah, um, and he wasn't getting better, so that was. Uh, that was the main, motiva- you know, mm-hmm. main motivation to come home. Mm-hmm. And then I just felt like I'd run my course, guide finished, and mm-hmm. um, I was quite tired from being abroad because it can take a lot out of you. Yeah. And, yeah, I just really wanted – you know, I kind of missed home. Yeah. Not kind of, I did. I missed totally. being home and I missed – I miss not being confused (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and, you know, (laughs) I wanted to understand everything around me again and familiarity and everything. So I I basically felt that I had run my course and Mm -hmm. I don't think that I should stay. You have to kind of know when your time is up overseas. And I feel like that's a point that a lot of people miss Mm -hmm. because either maybe the money is good or they're, you know, some people feel that they have a better chance you know, teaching abroad than they would trying to get a job back home. But, I mean, I, I've met some people, and I'm like, man, in my head at least, I wouldn't necessarily say this, like, man, you should have went home right. last year or the yeah. year before. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, just know when, you're, when your time is up, it's okay to leave.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's absolutely. And, you know, for the contracts, some contracts are for guess, six months, one year, two years, and, right. you know, with that, you got to be aware of what you're getting yourself into that kind of goes back to what you said about doing your research. So a lot of what my conversations and you know, Mesa abroad it's about helping people to start a life abroad to enjoy a rich experience. Education is about having our students become global citizens. And I think it's hard to preach that when you're keeping them in one place forever. Right. But it's also about telling them how it really is. There are struggles And it's different in many different ways that um, sometimes you can't even prepare for, even if you do as much research as you can. So
1: That's what I was going to say. I was like, yeah, you know, doing research, I definitely encourage it. You know, and at the same time, a lot of what you research won't click until you are living it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Until you're there and something happens. And you're like, I read about this. And they told me not to be offended, but I'm feeling offended. Or, you know, that <laughs> and I'm not suff- I know that, that this is normal, but it doesn't feel normal. Yeah, so a lot of things, I think, um, mm-hmm. research is good because it kind of prepares your mind. And yes. when you get there and you're feeling the emotions, you can kind of help yourself out, I think. That's right. Hopefully it won't catch you totally off guard, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So when you were in uh, Korea, uh, we're going to go to our last topic about money. Okay. Did your salary allow you to live comfortably there, or did it allow you to save money? How was that like?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You can absolutely um, live comfortably and save money. Um, of course, it depends on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people kind of burn through their paycheck every month. Like, we got paid once a month. That's another thing. Um, uh-huh. Got paid once a month. And it, yeah, you can definitely live, like the as far as like the cost of living, that's handled by the school. So right. most schools will pay for your apartment um, and you just pay for like utilities and phone bill or whatnot. Um, so you can definitely live comfortably. It, I, I mean, it like I said, it just depends up to you and what you like. Um, it's really easy to go out in Korea. It's really easy to eat out in Korea and hang out with friends. <laughs> and So yeah. it's easy to save money. So you have to be intentional about um, saving if that is your goal. Because I know yeah. a lot of people go and they want to pay off student loan debt or whatever. Um, and you definitely should get a, you know, establish a budget and just set the intention that this is this is what I'm making, this is what I will spend, and after that, that's it. Yeah. Um, then yeah, you can definitely put away a lot of it.
0: Great. Yeah. So that's another thing that you have to understand what you're getting into. Some people I've talked to, they don't have the stipend for housing, or so mm-hmm. those things I think add up to. Um, there's a certain number that they give you. Maybe you're getting paid X amount per month, but you should also include that. The housing maybe paid for. Maybe there's transportation or something like this. So it sounds like a place where you could financially be comfortable. So,
1: yeah, um, and when you leave, um, now this isn't fra- for every English-speaking country, but it's for America. Sorry, yeah. other countries. <laughs> I'm not sure, but you <laughs> leave, you get a pension. And so, oh, nice. um, just like here in the states, you know, when you work, in every paycheck they take out a certain amount and put it away. And when you leave Korea. They pay for your, um, they'll cover, you have to buy it first, but of course they'll cover your um, ticket back home or wherever you're going. Mm -hmm. And then you get an extra month's salary and then you get your pension. And so, I mean, you can, you can put away a nice amount of money (laughs) if you, you, yeah, if you are intentional about it. So that's also another perk. (laughs) Okay. Excellent.
0: Well, that wraps up our conversation. Rochelle, thank you so much for taking your time and speaking with me today
1: thanks for having me yeah
0: awesome and that you know i wish you continued success so do you have a website facebook instagram i know you have an instagram because i follow it and it's it's awesome mm-hmm. but uh, any any other ways that you could tell listeners how to follow your journey
1: Sure, sure um i do have a facebook group if you just search for future teachers of korea then you'll find us okay. and like you said you can Look for my name, and I have a YouTube channel. I haven't posted anything for a while. I'm sorry. Okay. but if, yeah. you, if you just search for my name across the board, like I'll pop up. Okay, My I, name is my social media. so
0: perfect. <laughs> on, perfect.
1: on Twitter and all of those. Yeah.
0: Excellent. I'll leave a bunch of links in the blog post that I make, and people will be able to follow you from there. That was Rochelle Anderson. I'm Mesa Broad. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Mesa MesaBroad. And if you're interested in seeing how you can teach abroad or work abroad, go to my website, MesaBroad.com, and fill out the free Teach Abroad goal outline. Or if you're just interested in seeing what it takes or if you're qualified to teach abroad, I will send you a free copy of my ebook Guide to Teach Abroad. All the information is on the site. You are capable of more than you think. Don't let anyone tell you different. I'm Mesa Broad, and thanks for listening.